politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Miniman standing at the ready to fight for our liberties anew. This is your chance to fight for liberty because here at CR Podcast with Daniel Horowitz, we are not just a show, not just entertainment or even information. We are a tool for activism to actually guard our liberties, which are at stake on the chopping block like never before. These are truly the times that try men's souls. We are at a precipice. We are at a precipice, not just with COVID fascism, but with everything else. It's going to tie into illegal immigration and the ability of states to deal with it. Whether this that the CDC did yesterday will finally, finally push our people to rebel in the red states, not just half-heartedly rhetorically, but to fully declare independence from CDC on every aspect of COVID fascism and therefore on every aspect of every other part of policy that affects our lives. Again, like Texas, maybe it's time they finally start deporting illegals on their own. This is the chance because CDC is so radical, so crazy, so out of control, so illogical, so internally conflicting. Masks failed so badly that they had to push an experimental clot shot, which failed so badly that they have to push masks and then push them simultaneously. Because they're so radical, pushing it on kids, that actually gives us an opportunity. But of course, you could always count on phony Republicans and phony conservative talkers and writers to deflect, distract, make the wrong arguments, tacitly agree to a lot of their premises, but pick one point to disagree on, focus on Simone Biles and the Olympics or something. Maybe it's better they focus on that because what they're saying about this is horrible. Basically, you listen to a lot of these phony conservatives, it's like, Well, vaccinated people shouldn't have to wear a mask. Well, they have no problem with mandated vaxes. They have no problem with mandated masking. Just don't mandate the the mask on those vaccinated. That's essentially the Republican conservative line. Even some of these governors saying they're not going to follow it in their state. That's kind of the logic they're using. And there's so much more they can be be doing. So we're going to unpack this as well as get an update from... Um, conservative super lawyer James Bopp, who is the lead attorney in the Indiana University case on forced vaccination, to see what's going on there, how it's going to reverberate with the broader mandate that the administration plans on mandating on all federal workers and a lot of states doing it. But we have a lot to uncover today. Um, And it starts with declaring independence economically from all the woke fascists in big business. Not long ago, companies solely existed to provide products and services. Now, customers have to have their money go towards anti-family, anti-American propaganda. Few companies have had the courage to stand up for America. Um, But Patriot Mobile is the only Christian um, conservative provider of wireless service in America. They have the broadest nationwide coverage. They use the same towers as all the major carriers, so you can get the same service. Um, but they're 100% U.S.-based customer service team is U.S.-based, highest quality, most importantly, 
Patriot Mobile shares your values, supports organizations fighting for religious freedom, constitution, sanctity of life, veterans, first responders. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with the offer code CR as in conservative review. They have special discounts for veterans and first responders. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR, patriotmobile.com slash CR, or call 972-PATRIOT. Don't let your hard-earned dollars go towards people that hate this country. Okay, folks, so I'm, I'm fit to be tied. Now is the time when we need everyone to be on message. I've been saying this since last March, but now we finally have enough built-up angst from 17 months of this to do it, which is states need to independently audit every policy and expenditure that is being spent by the State Department of Health based on COVID and auditing it for science and constitutionality and changing everything. Not just we're not going to mask our kids, which, by the way, a number of red state counties in Georgia and Alabama are announcing they're doing it. So we're not even defeating that. A number of governors did say they're not going to do it, but who knows? When CDC comes out with guidance, it's been pretty strong in the past, and they, and they follow it. Now is the time to bar mask mandates anywhere in a state, and that includes the so-called private sector, because it's not private. They're working off the government. Number two, every guidance of the State Department of Health needs to be independent of CDC. No more money spent on the clot shots. You can't have it both ways. Oh, we need masks because they're not working, but you better get it. No, they have now admitted their thing is wrong, doesn't work. And, you know, we need obviously an end of remdesivir, state funding of remdesivir in the hospitals, promotion of ivermectin. It should really be made over the counter. This is exactly what our founders envisioned. It's for this moment. CDC could just come out and say, we're raping your body. It's funny, today is the anniversary of the ratification of the 14th Amendment, July 28th, 1868. And the 14th Amendment has been used to create every sort of bogus right under the sun. You have a right to someone else's property, a right to someone else's thing, a right to uh, gay marriage, a right to abortion, a right to uh, welfare, whatever it is you have the right to. But the one thing that it applied was that a state or the federal government can't rule over your body. That's really the 13th Amendment, slavery. Somehow that wasn't, that that doesn't apply anymore. So, folks, you know, I've said this before, but it's worth repeating for our new listeners. Um, Madison wrote in Federalist 46 when people were concerned that the new federal government would crush the states. He said the disquietude of the people, their repugnance and perhaps refusal to cooperate with the officers of the union, the frowns of the executive magistracy of the state, that's the governor, the embarrassments created by the legislative devices, that's the state legislature, would, which would often be added on such occasion, would oppose in any state difficulties not to be despised, would form in a large state like Texas, very serious impediments and where the serious and, and where the sentiments of several joining states happen to be in unison would present obstructions which the federal government would hardly be willing to encounter. Half the states in this country can get together and say, we're done with all of this. And frankly, we're done with illegal immigration. We're done with a lot of things you're doing. This is the key. This is where it has to happen. Even Hamilton and Federal, Federalist 26, 
the biggest proponent of a large, robust federal government among our founders. The state legislatures, who will always be not only vigilant but suspicious and jealous guardians of the rights of the citizens against encroachments from the federal government, will constantly have their attention awake to the conduct of the national rulers and will be ready enough if anything improper appears to sound the alarm to the people and not only to be the voice, but if necessary, the arm, he writes that in capital letters, the arm of their discontent. Again, Hamilton, Federalist 26, the states need to convene the legislatures as an emergency. And again, pass this stuff. They need to, um, I would say, as far as masking children, to make it a criminal act, to define it under uh uh, reckless childhood and uh, child endangerment and be subject to the civil and criminal penalties thereof. So if any of these county governments or, you know, state, you know, county superintendents of schools and uh, principals mandate it, they are subject to criminal penalties. This is what needs to happen. Enough is enough. Remember, this is happening as illegals are flooding our border, 10% testing positive for COVID, because remember, we, we went through this 12 months ago. The southern latitudes get it later, so Mexico is going to get it even later, and they're going to be bringing it in. Not that I think fundamentally non-pharmaceutical interventions work, but if you're going to mask our, our freaking children, then yeah, I think we ought to not have transnational migration of hundreds of thousands of people. We're now 1.2 million caught, hundreds of thousands enabled to get in because we, because the Biden administration waves those people in and distracts our agents from dozens upon dozens of countries all over the world. It's unbelievable. They have forfeited their right to be a federal government. They've allowed, anyway, states to thwart federal enforcement of immigration law, and the courts allowed that, too. So you know what? It's time for states to start deporting illegals. Yes, and, and Don Huffines, running against Greg Abbott in Texas, is pushing exactly that. He is promising to do that. This is where we need to take it. But, but do you hear this united message from conservative media? No. In order to get this independence, this is where it needs to be. But in order to get it, we need a party that controls those states that will do it. In order to get that, you need a so-called conservative media that's worth a bucket of spit. And we don't really have that. Do you know you have in Arkansas is one of the few states that actually successfully passed a law barring local mask mandates. And Asa Hutchinson, the governor, I, I'm hearing this on good word, he is trying to work with the Senate president to get a special session to do the opposite, to repeal their prohibition of a mask mandate. So this is a man who believes a minor, if you remember a couple of months ago, a minor has the right to access chemical castration, but a kindergartner doesn't have the right to breathe in school. That's the Republicans in southern red states. But let's talk about the Olympics. It's funny, like, these conservative commentators have such strong feelings about Simone Biles, and I don't care either way. But it's like, you know, it's, it's one individual person. It's kind of complicated. I don't, know, I don't know her story. I can't have so much conviction over that. It doesn't affect me. I wish they had that much conviction on the COVID fascism, but it's never. It's like they're dipping their toe in the water. Yeah, mass, we're kind of done with that. Yeah, after supporting it for, for that long, when it actually mattered. But now the, the bigger fight is the, is the vaccine mandate, although they're both really coming back. And they're like, no, 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 no. Fauci's dumping on the vaccine. Not good. 
It's like their, their, their hill to die on is defending the vaccine. I think they're lying. No, they're actually telling the truth about that. Their lie is much broader. Their entire approach to treating COVID and not treating it and dealing with it the way they are. But once you accede to the premise that vaccination is the way to go, it actually is not working. I don't understand why Republicans and conservatives, like the one area they're going to die on is defending the vaccine. No problem. It's working. Those of you who haven't heard our terrific show yesterday with Dr. Malone, uh, the guy who holds the patent on mRNA vaccine technology, I know a, a lot of you are asking me, you haven't heard it on iTunes. There's something wrong. iTunes hasn't been posting shows so if that's where you rely to get my show, just go, go, to, go to anywhere else, Podbean, Stitcher, Google, um, and, and then most reliable, you could always go to Blaze, the Blaze podcast. You'll always find me. So if you ever, if it doesn't pop up on iTunes, um, it's not because I didn't do a show. It's that they're not posting it for whatever reason. We're still working that out. But anyway, you could find that show from yesterday, and it's in a show number 924, and he made a very important point that I think jives with a lot of the observations we're seeing. And that basically is that you, you see a degree of short-term efficacy from the vaccines, but long-term is garbage. But then on the other hand, you also see a mixed-in spike too. It's kind of both at the same time because for some people it works, some people – we have that vulnerable period on the way up antibodies and then a longer period when your antibodies are waning where the antibodies are enough to bind but not enough to block and actually spreads it more because at some point you got to open your eyes. England was the crown jewel of vaccination in Europe and it got the biggest spread. Israel was the crown jewel. Gibraltar, all these places, seashells that had such high vaccination rates. Chile. At some point you got you got to point that out. Again, it's mixed in with the southern latitudes. The, you know, the seasonality is the main thing driving it. But England is one of the farther north places that got it. And you know, this is what we're seeing. It's, it, could it be that it's making it worse? Heck, even um, CBS, CBS Sacramento. Some of you might have seen this. Higher COVID rate found in some counties with higher vaccination rate. And, and they basically note that the five counties with the lowest vaccination rate, cases are dropping, but areas like San Francisco have the highest. San Francisco, almost every adult is vaccinated in San Francisco. So they actually admit that this is a problem. And some conservatives are saying, this is the media trying to tamp down support for the vaccines. Like, are you stupid or something? No, they're promoting tyranny. But... They, they want to control us. But that part is actually right. They're both true. You shouldn't panic because it's going to do what it's going to do no matter what. And you should be taking ivermectin and had 17 months to bolster your vitamin D, C, B, 6, B12, folic acid, selenium, and zinc levels. And you'd be fine if you did that. And that doesn't come with risks. But on the other hand, this stuff doesn't work. But rather than lying down on the tracks, you cannot mask people. You cannot vaccinate people. You cannot shut down. It's don't talk trash about the vaccine. That's like the conservative line now. NBC is even citing news. Vaccinated individuals could have higher levels of virus and infect others amid the surge of cases driven by the Delta variant. 
Um, Dr. Malone explained exactly how that works, and I think we're seeing that. You, you cannot deny that in the places with the highest vaccination rate, even if they're not in the seasonality, San Francisco's a little farther north, kind of borderline. England's farther north. And they're getting it. The bottom line is that if you did not have prior infection and you're relying solely on the vaccine, at some point, they're going to pay the piper. Because whatever efficacy it did have is likely short term. And they're going to seamlessly glide into the boosters and watch Republicans say, look, you see, it's working. It's working. You just need a booster. But it, but it fundamentally works. They'll start with, you know, they'll say people over 70 or something, and they'll, they'll start with that and, and, and move down there. But this is what we have with Republicans. Now, I do want to get to our special guest today. Very apropos for our special guest, sponsor Alliance Defending Freedom. There are very few conservative lawyers out there. For 27 years, ADF has been standing up for religious liberty, the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, marriage, and parental rights. Um, But, you know, staff is tough. They rely totally on donations. So they could certainly use your help. You go to adflegal.org. Uh, forward slash CR, you can get your copy of ADF's ebook titled Generational Wins, absolutely free. Discover why fighting for what's right isn't just important for today, but how it impacts our nation for generations to come. And they really are needed to grow their staff so they could represent more people, because believe me, we are going to need this more and more as time goes on. Um we're going to have to fight it all of the above in the courts and in the state legislatures. That's all we got until we come up with something different. So again, adflegal.org slash CR, adflegal.org slash CR, the sponsor of our interview today. So our next guest is doing a service that few people are rendering. Um, we have very few conservative lawyers that are representing people. Again, we've talked about this all year. You've had people with their restaurants shut down, their livelihoods destroyed for a year, um, being forced to wear a, a, a medical device on their breathing orifices for hours on end. And and it's been very hard to get legal representation. Obviously, now this has all moved into the vaccines, Uh, although they are bringing back the mass mandates. And we're seeing everywhere, we're like, there's no way they're going to get away with this in court. There's no way that you're going to tell me in an era where we have judges like we saw last week in West Virginia saying there's a 14th Amendment right to access the other gender sports team in a college. You're certainly not going to tell me that a college, especially a state-funded one, could tell tell you, hey, you know, you got to take uh, an affirmative action against your body was something very experimental, um, more side effects than any vaccine we've ever had, even if you're very low risk, even when we now know the vaccine could spread it anyway, and there's literally no interest for a state uh, to do it, but they're not never going to do that, right? Well, we had a Trump-appointed judge in Indiana and several others so far say somehow that is constitutional, somehow it jives with the EUA statute, um, James Bopp is representing the Indiana University students who are suing. Um, he's appealing that Northern uh, Indiana District Judge is ruling to the Seventh Circuit. Um, James has really been um, fighting for our culture, particularly social conservatism, before I was even a tadpole at this. 
Uh, I don't know too many RNC committee men, but I remember when he was one and he actually fought to make the R in RNC actually mean Republican, somewhat distinguished from the DNC. There were a few voices like that, and he still is a very prominent lawyer, very successful one, and um, certainly taking on this risky case, which very few others want to take on. Jim, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your story. Well, thank you very much, and very nice of you to say. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's funny. I actually, you are literally the only national committee man I've ever known, because um, I just remember you actually fought for us um, on issues that mattered while Republicans were just standing, you know, small. And speaking of that, they've been very muted in their fight on, you know, forced coerced vaccination. I told my audience that today is actually 14th Amendment Day. I was ratified July 28th, 1868. And if you can just give us a little bit of an update, state of play, where things are um, with the 14th Amendment arguments, with the EUA statute arguments, and just procedurally where we are with the appeal. Right. Happy to. Uh, Of course, our claim is that there's a constitutionally protected right to bodily integrity and autonomy, including the right to make medical treatment decisions, that uh, is being uh, infringed by IU's mandate that requires students to uh, take vaccines uh, or be virtually expelled from the university. Uh, Unfortunately, the district court judge decided uh, in accord with IU's argument uh, that there are no constitutional rights involved here, even though IU students are adults and are entitled to make medical treatment decisions for themselves and are being required to put a foreign chemical into their body by IU's mandate, uh, that there were no constitutional rights involved and that um, all they had to show was a rational reason to do this rather than to prove that there's a, comp- a sufficiently important justification uh, to require IU students to give up their rights. Of course, the problem with that is it gives plenary power to Indiana University to mandate real virtually anything in the name of public uh, health and safety and, uh, uh, and uh, treats them as if uh, they are prisoners in, cor- in Incarcerated uh, in a prison after being convicted of a felony, uh, which is the only other analogous situation I know in which uh, pr- peop- uh, government has such plenary authority. Uh, so we've appealed that fundamental issue. Uh, are there rights involved that require heightened scrutiny, that require IU to uh, uh, justify its uh, mandate? and justify this infringement on constitutional rights. Uh, We expect a decision from the uh, Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals uh, early next week. Wow, early next week. So, and, And my understanding is that your primary argument, obviously, is that the lower court erred, as so many lower courts have done throughout this pandemic, in assuming that there is no case law behind a right to bodily autonomy. We've found this with the mask as well, which is kind of similar. It's not below the skin, but it is a similar concept um, in that, you know, as conservatives, generally we do believe in a more limited view 
of which rights are in the Constitution, the 14th Amendment, although, you know, we would argue that the ultimate right is the right to be left alone. You don't have a right to a government um, access, but you have the right to not be forced something against your body. Yet all these judges that have ruled and, and there's case law up the wazoo from you know, the whole line of cases from Griswold to Eisenstadt and Roe and Cruzan and you name it, where you have a right to an affirmative action. You have a right to access things. You have the right to access assisted suicide in Glucksburg. You have the right to access all sorts of benefits. In Indiana, they just really have the right to un extended unemployment. Um, you have a right to a lot of things. So this is the bare minimum. It, it, don't you have like a almost 100 years of case law on your side? Well, we certainly have modern case law. And uh, modern case law, um, you know, recognize substantive due process, re recognize the right to bodily integrity and autonomy and medical treatment choice that uh, has arisen over the last several decades. And, and I would distinguish, really, there is two lines of cases about bodily integrity. One of them is the prohibition cases. That is where the government, where you want to make a choice that has to do with uh, your body and your bodily integrity, and the government wants to prohibit you. And and th those that line of cases would be, you know, uh, prohibiting you from marrying someone who is of a different race, uh, or uh, the right to abortion, contraceptive, and same-sex marriage. Now. Uh, you know, I I wonder about several of those cases whether or not they were well founded in this right to bodily integrity and sure. autonomy. But but in any event, uh, you know, I, I live in the real world, and and that's what the yep. Supreme Court has so far recognized. But I think the more important line of cases are the mandate cases. Th these are the cases where government is mandating something. For instance, Cruzan termination of medical treatment. Uh, to an incompetent person. And they said, no, wait a second. No, uh, your right to accept or refuse medical treatment is a really important right. And that for the government to mandate that you be denied treatment, we really need to provide a sufficient justification. And there, uh, the, the evidence uh, for uh, uh, that denial of treatment has to be uh, be uh, clearing clear and convincing. Uh, so that mm -hmm. was a very important protection for this right. And then you go to instances, for instance, of anti-psychotic drugs being administered to prisoners in prison. Well, the court recognized that, you know, it's a right to refuse those the, that treatment, but because somebody is, in, is a convicted felon incarcerated in prison, the government... Uh, in this very extraordinary circumstance, can violate your rights just if they have a rational reason to do it. That's frankly what I use asking for. Then, then you go to other uh, uh, cases where uh, it's an arrestee that they want to bring to trial that is being uh, mandated to take antipsychotic drugs. Well, there the court said, no, they're not imprisoned. Uh, uh, that you have to prove a compelling justification uh, to administer these drugs. Well, look, Indiana University students are not in prison. They are competent adults 
that can make medical treatment decisions. And we view that line of cases about protecting people from government mandates requiring you to do things with your, you know, for instance, another uh, mandate case is, is putting you in a mental hospital. Uh, you know, uh, that restricts your liberty in multiple ways and forcing you to take uh, treatment. Well, that, that requires, you know, a compelling justification, uh, not just because, you know, some expert thinks it would be a good thing to do. Uh, so th- really the mandate cases are the most egregious violations of liberty, and uh, uh, we think that those provide the roadmap for how uh, uh, these cases should be decided. Exactly. So I think to sum up what you're saying is there's two halves of this. There's the half that as conservatives, we might not agree with the line of cases surrounding Roe v. Wade, but A, it's there and it's it's ironclad. It's uh, it's sacred in, in, you know, in the in the minds of the legal profession. So, you know, you got to what's good for the goose is good for the gander. But number two, even we believe this is a layer much further back. This is kind of what was discussed in NFIB v. Sibelius with forcing someone to take an affirmative action or put another way government regulating a negative against you you're not allowed to merely stay in locomotion um blackstone's definition of individual liberty without taking you know government arresting you taking an action against you um you know we're not asking for access you know let's say we we had a case and this comes up a little bit now we want access to ivermectin or access to something no we, this is even more fundamental, just, hey, just don't, don't tase me. Don't, don't stick me with anything. Don't put anything on me. So what I want to get to is if you believe some of the scientific data that has come out literally just since the judge renders his opinion in the district court is going to help. Um, with the mask, the problem we've always had, whether it's the mask or shutting down businesses and capacity, is – well, you know, government just asserts it, and they have the right to assert it, and they say it helps. So we're not going to question that. We're not even going to do fact-finding, and masks help even though they clearly don't. But when it comes to the vaccine, now the official line of the government has become clear. It absolutely does not stop infection. You absolutely could get it symptomatically and spread it as hilariously witnessed by IU's own president now having gotten it symptomatically after being vaccinated. But it's just, it's a great idea because it protects you from severe illness. Now, let's just indulge that and let's say that's true, which we have our doubts, especially long-term, but okay. If they could do that, that's like personal advice saying, hey, you have to drink vitamin water. You have to have vegetables three times a week. You have to spend two hours a week on a treadmill to attend IU, meaning if I could say, I believe this is good for your health, um, you can't say it's source control, transmission control, because they're admitting that the vaccinated could spread it just as much. Does that help your argument? I think it does. Uh, and, uh, and, because, and, it, and it comes in in this way. Uh, so university students are at the least risk of any adverse uh, mortality and morbidity as a result of a COVID infection. Uh, they are an incredibly low risk. If you compare the risk of uh, people over 70, for instance, for, um, uh, for death and injury if they have a COVID infection, they have a 600 times greater risk 
of death or or injury as a result of a COVID infection than do uh, college students. So, uh, you know, a legitimate interest in public health and safety needs to be directed at uh, not preventing someone from getting a uh, a disease. I mean, after all, how many common colds are there around? And we don't make everybody quarantine, shut down all the businesses, uh, you know, uh, mandate masks, uh, social distancing, and vaccinations for the common cold. Well, why is that? Well, because the risk of uh, death or injury from a common cold is extremely low. It just doesn't justify that kind of invasion of liberty uh, that would be involved. Uh, so, uh, and, and so all along, this IU mandate has been misdirected. It's directed at the people who are least vulnerable to death or uh, injury as a result of it. Uh, so instead of talking about death and injury, IU justified their uh, mandate on spread. Oh, well, no, okay, we won't talk about death and injury. What we will talk about is, uh, is spread. People will get the uh, COVID infection, then they'll spread it, and they might spread it to people that are more vulnerable, either at IU, but they're max, you know, requiring vaccinations for everybody there. So they start talking about the community. Well, they go out, you know, they go out to a local bar or something, and there might be uh, some, you know, local uh, member of the community that is uh, immunity compromised, and, and they might spread the disease. Well, now all of a sudden we find out that this spread thing was bogus to begin with, that vaccines don't prevent people from getting COVID. They don't prevent people from spreading uh, COVID. And now the IU president is saying, well, we, we you know, we kind of knew that, but, uh, but we, we think that it will prevent us, meaning her as an older adult, uh, from serious death or injury, that it might help prevent that because we're vaccinated. Well, look, IU college students don't need that protection. They already are at the very lowest possible risk, way below seasonal flu, way below tick bites in Indiana, way before an enormous number of diseases and conditions to have any adverse effect. So their whole justification has exploded in their face. So, so that my, my next question is this. Again, it's been very shocking to us watching the courts the last 17 months. Um, you know, as a conservative, and you're, you and I are social conservatives, we've certainly been at the receiving end of this, where the courts create rights at breakneck speed. You have a right to affirmative recognition of the state for your marriage if you redefine it. Right, again, I mean, they were able to do whatever they wanted before, they, before Obergefell, but they wanted a, a status and you have a right. Anything you want is a right. It's all in the 14th Amendment. When it came to the most heavy-handed tactics of government since the settlement of this continent, it's not an exaggeration, um, you know, at least putting slavery aside, then suddenly the courts were out to lunch. Public health, they could do whatever they want. Do you see that changing with just the duration that this is going on so long, the muddled arguments? Do you see that is there any potential or are these Supreme Court justices and other particularly Republican appointees going to want to just stay out of it? 
Well, uh, I mean, that's uh, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to predict. I, I think sure. what, what what I would comment on is uh, the 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 difference between the development of rights, which we have seen over the last several decades, uh, primarily uh, you know uh, primarily being advocated by liberals. Uh, of course, at the same time, they uh, were advocating for diminishment of rights. If you're talking about, you know, free speech or the Second Amendment or whatever, yeah. things that are actually in the Constitution. But but now we're at, we are entering the progressive era, uh, and they are true progressives now. The progressive era, of course, around 1900, when the case that keeps being thrown in our face, uh, called Jacobson versus Massachusetts, approved force vaccinations, of course, which led to Buck v. Bell, which improved, approved forced sterilization, and the hor- horrific statement by the Supreme Court that, quote, four generations of imbeciles is enough, end of quote. Uh, you know, they are, uh, you know, that, that was based on progressive era thinking. Progressive era thinking, which we're now seeing replicated in the United States, resurrected, uh, where liberals are abandoning freedom. Uh, is yeah. has two key elements. The first element is that they, is they disparage individual rights. They are much more interested in the collective, the group, uh, whether it be identity politics or whatever, or here in this case public health generally, uh, rather than the rights of the individual. And Jacobson and uh, and this re, you know IU is arguing there are no rights involved here, and if they are, they're just not important. Then second, they're all into doing whatever the, quote, experts, end of quote, say. I mean, when they say now we're following the science, what they are talking about is, well, experts, quote, experts, end of quote, have come to a decision about something, and we're just to follow it and just do whatever they say. Just like forced sterilization. Right. We're to suspend thought. We're to suspend logic. We're, 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 we're just to do whatever the experts say. Now, uh, of course, one of the terrible things about that is they're looking to health experts. Well, health experts are only thinking about the, the disease and the progress of the disease and the risk of the disease. They're not thinking about, well, business shutdowns devastates the economy, uh, closes businesses forever, results in the breakup of families uh, as a result of the, uh, the business shutdown or suicide or mental illness or, or we're going to shut yeah. down schools and, and then ha- you know, what's going to happen to the educational exactly. progress of all these students. They don't think about any of that and, frankly, don't care about it because that's not their area. So we are then by following these experts, we're not balancing risk and benefits. We're just pursuing a single path with one uh, idea in mind rather than looking at the big picture. And then the final thing about progressives uh, is that they disparage democracy because they don't want these experts to be influenced by, you know, like common people running around or people that might vote. So they don't want public officials making these decisions. They want these experts in hermetically sealed rooms that will just simply yeah. issue edicts. Doesn't that sound kind of like the CDC these days? I, I find you know, it interesting, Jim, that 
you know, they, they, they're obsessed with Jacobson, and there's a number of distinctions between this and Jacobson, plus Jacobson has been overruled a million times over and over again. It's like going back to Plessy v. Ferguson and Dred Scott, but nonetheless, if you're going to indulge Jacobson, one of the things it does say in there is, so there, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing, so therefore, if a state legislature would want to pass something for public health, they can, and I was laughing, like, Indiana legislature never passed this, right? Right. Yeah, they didn't, and and in fact, uh, they we had uh, had a law that uh, allowed health officials in the face of a public health emergency to make, and these are county health officials, to make uh, to impose requirements like uh, you know like uh, a quarantining or masking or whatever. Uh, now, the Indiana legislature, however, passed a law to to strip health departments of that authority and to give it to the local governmental uh, officials through, uh, in other words, the legislative bodies of local government, like county commissioners, uh, city councils, town councils, and and, uh, so that we would have people making the decision that balanced all of these risks and consequences of their decisions uh, to determine what is in the best interest of the people. Well, uh, so that's an example. And, of course, all the liberals and progressives oppose that because they don't want public officials making these decisions. They want uh, sure. health officials in a hermetically sealed room to make the decision. And, th- and that takes you to the final piece of this puzzle. Here we have Indiana University, through their public health officials, making a decision. There is no government, no government other than uh, some public colleges who are, of course, the government. We have no government, either state, local, county, or city, that is mandating anyone to be vaccinated. None in the entire United States. And 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 uh, instead, we have these bureaucrats at IU claiming to be health officials that are mandating through the, their governmental power students to do this. But but this is what bothers me. I can understand if you're suing in my state of Maryland. So you're like, hey, it's a public university, but there's no redress because the state's very blue. So there's no redress through the political system. So you have a lawsuit. But here's what I don't understand. I'm going to ask you to take off your lawyer hat for a minute and put on your political hat. You've been involved in Indiana politics and national Republican politics for many, many years, decades. What my audience is trying to figure out is that a state like Indiana, they have something like three to one majorities in the state legislature. Oh, yeah. Why? Super, super majority. (laughs) Yeah. So so why? You know, obviously, this doesn't preclude legal action and whatever happens. But as a side by side, why aren't they dealing with Indiana University? They thought they actually. I talked to the legislative uh, people. They they actually thought they had, and um, uh, they they passed a law uh, on uh, on uh, prohibiting vaccine mandates, and uh, Mm -hmm. that that is proving that you're vaccinated. They thought that that law applied to in, to the uh, colleges and uh, at least the public, public one, yeah, right. And and uh, as it turns out, it, it, they were in error. 
I, I think our, I mean, our attorney general has uh, uh, views the IU mandate to be contrary to the vaccine uh, mandate law, and, and and unfortunately, in our case, we can't enforce that anti-vaccine mandate because it um, uh, because we don't have a private cause of action. So uh, that's something that's off the table. I, I can flat guarantee you that the Indiana legislature will fix this as soon as they get into session. They have asked the governor... Oh, when are they getting to, back into session? Well, not till January. Uh, oh, that's... They what, yeah, yeah, so... The, they I mean, they could, the they could governor, do this in 24 hours. They, of course, and they would. Uh, they have asked the governor to call a special session to address it, and he's refused. I, I love this. They, they could declare the Fourth Reich and violate bodily autonomy... But we can't convene the legislature with that. It's the procedural things. I mean, it's it's always like this, and it's so sad that this is happening in in a state with three to one majorities. Obviously, um, I don't know how that guy got reelected uh, last time, but certainly, uh, um, this is something. State elections are very important. Before I let you go, um, one more question. The big thing coming up now, and obviously, you're you're dealing with your you know um, clients. But more broadly, you do have a threat. They're now saying on Thursday, Biden's going to announce a vaccine mandate on all federal workers. Now, to me, I know there's tons of ADA, OSHA, anti-discrimination, health privacy laws that make it that you have to accommodate so many people, especially if you're a federal government uh, you know, employer, employee. Um, how do they get away with that? Well, uh, uh you know, students are like the general public, okay, uh, as far as their relationship with IU. Employer, employers have a lot more authority over employees than, do, than does the government over the general public. So the, that, the employer-employee relationship introduces another serious complication and uh, uh, list of issues that would have to be addressed. Now, you know, I, I can only do so much, and uh, sure. uh, uh, and and we're concentrating on on students as the uh, the ones that uh, most likely uh, can be protected here. And uh, and frankly, uh, while uh, the federal government is certainly the the government. Uh, their authority over employees is much greater, and that will be, have to be dealt with. And one more quick thing on that note. A lot of people are asking me about this. The emergency use authorization statute seems to be black and white, very clear that part of it being experimental is that it has to be optional. At a minimum, you would think that would apply to public um, universities, if not private ones. Has that come up in the course of litigation at all? Uh, it has, and this is the problem with that, uh, and that's the that is a part of the FDA's requirements that attach to uh, emergency use authorization that they have to give informed consent, and that they have to uh, provide that this uh, treatment is optional. However, uh, that only applies to quote providers end of quote. A provider that statute a provider is is one who uh, 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 who is actually administering the, the drug. Uh, a provider isn't an employer. A provider isn't Indiana University vis-a-vis -vis students. Mm -hmm. 
So that is the reason why we have not made a claim under that uh, law, uh, is because it just simply doesn't apply. Uh, now, but then who, it, did it, who did it apply to? A physician who's sh- who's uh, doing the jab. So I don't I don't understand. So 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 the inference of what you're saying is that let's say it's not experimental. Let's say it's fully approved. So someone so someone could grab you and jab you. I'm saying what what does that mean? What what it. What Meaning means, nobody could nobody could physically jab you even a fully approved like an MMR or something. Well, right, against of course, your, but but, yeah. but but see, there was there's a technical argument that is being made, mm. and the the argument is under the FDA because this is an emergency use authorization, then the statute that requires informed consent and that it be optional, uh, to as far as to be administered. Uh, uh, is a part of the authorization. And, of course, that is true. But that requirement of informed consent and optional uh, specifically applies only to a provider. The provider is a person who is administering the drug. It is not Indiana University. So you cannot sue Indiana University for violating the FDA's requirement on providers that it be optional. Now, that doesn't give Indiana University authority to require it. It just means you can't challenge that requirement under the FDA. Sure. Now, so, 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 so the result is, if they give final approval, it makes no difference to my case whatsoever. Because my case is not saying IU has violated the emergency youth authorization requirements. My, my lawsuit is saying they're violating the fundamental rights of uh, adult IU students to bodily integrity and autonomy yep. and making medical treatment decisions, and that is not justified here. It, it, Jim, it's truly unbelievable, just again, coming full circle to end off this discussion on this anniversary of 14th Amendment Day. We literally have federal judges and really tacitly blessed by the Supreme Court now based on some of their, um, you know, just granting certs and denial of certs is that if you're a private random baker, you have to you cannot deny service, not just to the person, but even the act, the event that violates your conscience. But if you are even a public institution, a government could deny service based on you not taking a jab beneath the skin of your surface, something that's experimental. It is truly unbelievable. <laughs> it it, it is, really is. It is. It is. But, you know, the, the consistency is that, uh, that is the progressive thinking. You know, yep. the consistency is we, 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 uh, we disparage individual rights unless we, unless we want them. And and we we don't like government, so we want to have, you know have someone the you know judges or uh, bureaucrats or whatever imposing all this stuff on us. Uh, and so you know uh, you know the the problem here is this is a one way ratchet uh, where only the liberals get their way, and uh, and even rights that are clearly uh, impo- imposed uh, uh, and uh, on government. Uh, to protect our individual liberties, you know, uh, liberals have been in uh, for decades trying to undermine them. Uh, this is all about power and stripping people of their freedom and rights unless 
uh, they, you know, it benefits the liberal agenda. Exactly. Hence, COVID public health vaccines are the most important thing, except if you're coming from all the countries of the world illegally that don't have vaccines, even the established proven ones like MMR, and they bring mums back into the ICE facilities, then I have actually read medical journals until a few years ago. They were very clear that, you know, there's a whole moral hazard about stigmatizing. And even after vaccines have become very much a religious experience for the medical establishment, they're very strong on them except that faucet got shut off immediately when it benefited them. Just like you couldn't gather in more than 10 people um, for the first time in American history, and then two weeks later, we had the largest mass gatherings in, likely in American history, went from one end to the other with BLM, and that was not just uh, not a problem, it was laudatory, and <laughs> it's the one-way ratchet, and that's what we got to fight. Thanks so much for being in that fight. Please keep us updated on uh, you know what what happens and and how this audience could help you. All righty, thank you very much for having me on. Take care, God bless. So again, that was Jim Bopp, a longtime uh, Republican, former Republican National Committeeman from Indiana, uh, prominent attorney. He is suing on behalf of those students being forced to be ma- uh, vaccinated at Indiana University. And, uh, folks, it is, it's truly unbelievable because he's one of the few that really fought the homosexual agenda and the gay marriage stuff and everything. Uh, never would he have thought he'd be in place where, again, you literally have the right to force yourself on a one small private vendor who's a Christian, doesn't want to service, not, not, not really you. They're not denying you. They would give you a bake a cake for your birthday, just not for that. And that somehow violates the 14th Amendment, we're told. But the but a private sector and even government, which should be universal, could discriminate against anyone for not taking a jab that by their own admission is uh, you know more riskier than any previous vaccine, does not stop transmission anyway. Anyone who wants it certainly has the protection, so they're not affected by your lack of taking it. Um, but... You know, this is the game we play, and we can't continue to play their game, which is why if I were in the legislature, I would say we're going to prevent private businesses from mandating vaccines and masks. And I think in the the system we live in, you have the right to do that because that is the most foundational bodily right that – I mean – yeah, I mean, if, if you're going to tell me a private business could say no blacks, no Catholics, no this – um, you have to walk in naked, you have to, you know, they could do whatever you want, fine, but dude, that is not the universe we live under, not by a mile, the stuff, it is so hard with hiring and firing and the laws and OSHA and ADA and, and uh, the, the EOC, I mean, are you kidding me? Suddenly now it's like, oh, private prisoners, they could do whatever they want. And now, obviously, that's turned into, oh, it's a public business. They could do whatever they want to. It's the government. They could do whatever they want to you. So we're not going to play that game. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Again, we're going to stay on message. There's a lot more going on, but this is where it's at. I I can't think of anything more important, so I'm going to keep on this for a little while. Um, Folks, again, uh, you can find this show anywhere you hear podcasts. If you don't see it on iTunes, go to Podbean or Stitcher, Google, or the Blaze podcast. It's always posted there first anyway if you want to get it early in the early afternoon every day. Um, 
but still leave us a five-star rating at iTunes if you can. Certainly helps. Send this show to all your friends and relatives. We need to keep up state legislatures and lawsuits. That's all we have. We just got to use the tools we have. But the key is to stay focused. Keep the focus up. Keep the pressure up. Till tomorrow, God bless you all. And thank you for listening.